Well, good evening. Good to see everybody that's here. Glad to have those who are with us online. Uh, we're there on Facebook, on Twitter at HBC Tullahoma, on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma, and our phone live stream. You can call our church office, uh, and you can get that number uh, from us there uh, to be able to uh, see see what all those uh, the live streaming is there that you can share that uh, with other per other individuals. Uh, so be sure to heart to like to share, uh, get the word out to other people about our services tonight. Uh, I'm sure you're going to receive a wonderful blessing uh, from the book of Revelation. Uh, so be sure to do that tonight. And then also, if you'll go to our church uh, website at our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com, uh, if you'll go under the info tab there, you can download our worship bulletin uh, there under that info tab. A lot of upcoming events. Uh, September seems to be a pretty busy uh, month for us. And so a lot of upcoming things, uh, as well as you can find our children's worship bulletins that go with each Sunday service. Uh, they're under that info tab. Uh, if you want those in person, they're usually in this uh, windowsill to my right. Uh, and then also, while you're there under the info tab, if you'll go ahead and get uh, the prayer list downloaded uh, in some form, either have it downloaded, printed off, however you want that, uh, and that way you can follow along with us tonight. If you have any prayer requests tonight, please be sure to share those on Facebook if you want those mentioned live. Uh, if not, uh, you can send us an email, you can send us a message, uh, however you want to do that. Email is uh, HighlandBaptistTullahoma at uh, gmail.com or HighlandBaptist.cafes.net. So any one of those will work. And while you're there on the church website, uh, go to the uh, far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there, and you can do your online giving there, easy platform. You can set it up there for your recurring gift one time designate however you need uh, to do that. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, it's a great resource uh, that we have there. Also, if you picked up one of these already, the Highland Connection cards, be sure to get those back to us as soon as you can. If you've not gotten one of those, uh, they're in the holders at the doors uh, on the wall there, uh, not in the windows. Uh, they're in those holders. So be sure to pick up one of those, get it filled out, get that back to us. That way we can get you on the list. We've had quite a few who've already done that, but we want to make sure we don't miss anyone uh, through that process. So I uh, think that's all my announcements that I need to make. Brother Mike, you'll come. Brother Jim, ever since, every time you get up and you say, you know, glad to see all of you online, I, my mind goes back to romper room and Miss Nancy looking at her mirror and seeing all the people. He sees people that are online. So anyway, turn your hymnals and turn to 20, 227. Let's sing praise him, praise him. 
Thank you so much. Uh, if you're there uh, online, be sure to share any requests there. As we said on Facebook, I'll be checking that as we're going through to make sure uh, if anybody shares uh, any there. Uh, let me just go through. There's not a whole lot that we've added to the list, uh, but just a few uh, updates that we had from last week and from this week. Uh, do remember Carolyn Stone, uh, as was mentioned last week with her diverticulitis uh, that she has, so keep her uh, in your prayers. Uh, Gil Williams is continuing to heal, doing much better, but keep him as, in your prayers as he continues to go through that rehabilitation process. Uh, as we mentioned before, Amy still has to wear her uh, boot on her ankle uh, for a few more weeks, so uh, just keep her in prayer that that'll continue to heal. Kim Saunders uh, has uh, cancer, so uh, we want to uplift her uh, in your prayers. Brenda Gilbert's been having some medical issues. Uh, Myra Watson uh, also uh, we added her uh, this past week, so keep her uh, in your prayers. Um, she used to bring Daniel, uh, that many of you knew, uh, who passed away a couple, two or three years ago. Uh, also, Kay Fox has her surgery coming up uh, next week, so keep her in your prayers as that'll be on the 13th for knee replacement. I remember Cindy Jordan, and then also Miss Susie Barton. Uh, you'll see her in two places there. She's in the the uh, skilled nursing part there at uh, NHC uh, going through some rehab uh, from uh, being in the hospital. So uh, keep her uh, in your prayers as she continues uh, to heal. Uh, we've mentioned Jay Barbier on the other side uh, on our friends and family list uh, several weeks. Uh, he'd gotten some good news, but uh, he's uh, supposed to go, I believe it's tomorrow, uh, for another follow-up and they're praying that uh, they'll get a good report. So uh, pray for him with that. Uh, Laura Curtis, her situation is not improving, uh, so we want to uplift her as she's the wife of the pastor at Liberty Baptist down in Winchester. And then Randy uh, Tatum, who's Ken's brother, uh, is still uh, not doing well either with the cancer there. Uh, we got the good news on Donnie Meadows. Uh, we mentioned that last week. Uh, Glenn and Mary Liebig. Mary's doing well, I believe that's right, and Glenn is still, was still having some issues uh, with uh, swallowing and stuff, so keep him in your prayers. And then, let me see where the others are. Linda Ray, do you have a report yes, on her? Yes, I mentioned with her about an hour yet, Jan, that she's improving, but very slowly. She had to make another trip to the emergency room this week. Every little thing that happened, the surgery was so serious, she was in stroke, so she stopped taking her pain. Okay. Her back. Her blood pressure was over 
So that's Linda Ray. Uh, she is at home, uh, but still everything that comes up there, as was said, uh, she has to go back to the emergency room. So uh, keep her in your prayers as she continues uh, to heal. Remember Libby Kine, uh, that's Rick's mom, uh, who had her stroke. Uh, she's still about the same. So uh, keep her and keep that family uh, in your prayers. Any others that we need to specifically mention? Any others we need to add? going through radiation and chemo. Okay, and that's Steve Maybe, uh, who is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, going through radiation and chemo. So keep him in your prayers. Um, yes, yes, we, I don't know why she's not, unless she's further up on it, I think. Remember Rita, uh, Fulcher, she um, has had her cancer come back, so we want to keep her uh, in your prayers. We sent a call out about that, and so uh, uh, we uplift her uh, in our prayers too. And I was looking for one more that I don't see got put on here either. Any others? Double check here with an email that I had received. The one that I did not see on the list either that uh, we were needing to add is Maria Lee. Uh, that is our governor's wife. Uh, she has lymphoma uh, and is going through some treatments for that. And we've been asked by the governor's office through a group that I'm with that I got in with COVID stuff and, and uh, they shared with us about that need. And so we want to uplift Maria Lee in your prayers. Governor Bill Lee's wife. I do not. I do not. I'll try to bring an update next week on Katie Joe. Anybody else? I'm looking on Facebook and I don't see any there. Any updates, any praise reports, any we can remove that you know of as you look down the list? If you think of someone else we need to add, let us know before we leave tonight, especially there on Facebook, and we'll get that report uh, sent out uh, tonight. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer then uh, for these tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy and your loving kindness. Lord, we thank you for uh, being with us, uh, for loving us, uh, for showering us with your mercy and your grace. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, encourage us uh, tonight, as we come into your presence, Lord, we know that as we come into your presence, we see your holiness and we see our uh, sinfulness. And we ask, Lord, for you to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. 
Lord, we pray that as we confess those sins, uh, Lord, that you will wash those sins away, that you'll cast them as far as the east is from the west, uh, never to be remembered anymore. And so, Father, we just pray that you will have your hand upon us uh, tonight to encourage us through your word, to encourage us through the fellowship that we have uh, with one another. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, for your will to be done and for your name to be glorified and honored. Lord, uh, we especially want to uplift these that we mentioned tonight and many others that are on our prayer list. Uh, we want to mention uh, and just uplift those, Lord, who uh, may be unspoken requests that are on our hearts. And we just ask God, Lord, for you to intervene uh, in their hearts and in their lives to bring about the healing that they need to uh, touch them, Lord, in a powerful way. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will uh, bring glory and honor to your name uh, through that healing. And may we be a witness, Lord, of your saving grace and your mercy. Uh, through all of that. Lord, we pray that you will uh, just walk with each one of these individuals and be with them to encourage them and strengthen them. Send the Holy Spirit, uh, who is the great comforter, especially to those who have lost loved ones, uh, and even those, Lord, who are going through the valley of the shadow of death. We just pray that you will lead them, you will guide them, uh, you will be with those families and help them, Lord, to draw closer to you than ever before. Lord, we pray that uh, your will will be done uh, in that uh, in those individuals' lives. Uh, Father, we pray that you will be with our Awana kids tonight as we begin Awana back tonight. We pray for our teachers and we ask your blessings upon all of them. We ask, Lord, that you'll keep us safe and, and we pray that uh, you will just uh, help us to continue to grow uh, with that throughout the year. Be with our youth who are meeting uh, also tonight and studying your word and we pray, God, that your blessings upon them. Lord, we pray that you will continue to, to bless our church uh, as we seek to press forward uh, into all that you've called us to do. And Father, I pray that you will be glorified and honored through our lives uh, in everything we do, even as a church. So we give everything we have, everything we are. Uh, we give our church, we give our lives, we uh, give our resources, our time, and our talents to you. And ask, Lord, for you to use us to be a blessing in your kingdom work. Be with our missionaries who are serving uh, all around this world and across North America and even across Tennessee. Lord, we ask your special blessings upon them, and especially, Lord, as we get ready to emphasize uh, our uh golden offering for Tennessee missions. We pray, God, as we begin that this Sunday, uh, that you will speak to our hearts and, can, and encourage us, Lord, about the work that is going on. We thank you so much, Lord, for the blessings you've given us through uh, that offering that supports missions across our state. And we just pray, God, that uh, you will continue to bless uh, that ministry and all those ministries uh, in the days ahead. Lord, we pray for your will to be done for your name to be glorified as we study your word in the book of Revelation tonight. Lord, we pray that as we uh, get to pull back uh, the curtains here through the book of Revelation and the revelation John gives us here, uh, to look and see just a glimpse into heaven of what heaven uh, is like. Lord, I pray that you will help us to see uh, as if we were John ourse ourselves, uh, seeing this vision uh, for the first time. And Father, I pray that it will move us as those who may not know Christ to, to know that uh, the time is short and we need to make sure that we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior uh, before that day and that hour comes. And then also, if we know Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, that we would uh, be faithful to share the good news of the gospel before it's too late uh, in all the, all the time that we may have remaining. So bless us tonight as we study your word. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me just share with you also an announcement to make uh, and to share with you. Uh, we are going to be having a CPR training 
coming up on the 15th. Is, uh, we didn't have the date where we, I think we mentioned it in one announcement with the date and one announcement Sunday without the date and time, but it's gonna be uh, September the 15th. That's coming up in just a, a little bit here. And so uh, we wanna get you to sign up on the sheet out here. Anybody who's working with children, anybody who works with senior adults, anybody who really just wants to take it uh, to, to get that training uh, so that we at least have resources and individuals who are trained uh, with that even here in the church uh, during services even uh, that could help us tremendously. And so uh, just want to encourage you to sign up on that list. It's going to be the 15th at 5 o'clock. Uh, so uh, be sure to sign up for that training. Well, if I can move things on the screen here. <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 15, and verse 1 through verse 8. I would dare say this is the shortest chapter in the book of Revelation. <laughs> it's only eight verses, uh, but there is a powerful punch uh, in these verses. It's powerfully packed uh, in all of these uh, eight verses that we're going to look at tonight. So it, it, I have actually entitled this sermon tonight, I Wonder What Heaven Is Like, because that's what we're going to see uh, in these verses tonight. We're going to get a glimpse, if you will, into heaven. We're going to see some things that still have to do uh, with the end times and the coming uh, ahead. You'll notice on your revelation charts, if you have those, if you don't, there are some up here on the sides. There's a numbers chart up here also. We're going to talk just briefly uh, about a number tonight uh, in our message, but you'll notice that we're past the seven letters. We're past uh, the seven seals uh, there. We are past the seven trumpets. We're in that last section right before the seven bowls uh, begin to be poured out. In fact, that's what we're going to get into in chapter 16 next week is that first bowl that begins uh, to be poured out. Uh, and then you'll notice that after that comes the thousand-year reign, the great white throne judgment, and the new heaven and the new earth. But we want to begin with verse 1. And then we'll, we'll continue on down in just a moment. But verse 1 says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And so in this chapter, we're going to see a fresh glimpse, if you will, into glory. Uh, no book in the Bible talks more about heaven uh, than the book of Revelation. And as you study the book of Revelation, you find that you're in a constantly shifting scene, if you will. Uh, in one moment, you're in heaven. In the next moment, you're in earth as you're reading uh, the, the book of Revelation, you're on earth. In chapter 4, uh, we're translated to heaven. In chapter 6, you come back to earth. In chapter 7, you're translated to heaven. In chapter 8, you're transported back to earth. In chapter 12, uh, it's a scene in heaven. In chapter 13, uh, it's back on earth. Uh, but you find that there's one major difference in the book of Revelation between heaven and earth. Heaven is a place of worship. Earth is a place of, of wrath. Heaven is a place of joy, as we're seeing all through these uh, judgments here, that earth is a place of judgment. Heaven is also a place of celebration. Earth is a place of condemnation. In, in heaven, the lamb is crowned. On earth, the lamb is cursed. Uh, heaven is filled with the glory of God and earth is filled with the guilt uh, of mankind because of our sin. And so with each passing chapter, you begin to see the waves of God's wrath uh, as, as, uh, that, that 
continue and his judgment that continue to to beat more furiously if you will against the mercy of God and so you see his judgment and his mercy his judgment and his mercy and in the the end is near in these verses uh, the, the time has come uh, for God's final judgment against a sinful rebellious world now as you saw in the chart there we've already gone through two separate forms of judgment there uh, with the trumpets uh, and, and the seals and now we're coming to uh, the bowls that are getting ready to be poured out and so before God pulls down the curtain of time before the final chapter of human history is written before that last battle is fought and the the last trumpet is blown before the last shot is fired John gives us if you will this glimpse into glory now there's four words that highlight what John saw in this heavenly scene. Uh, he saw a sign in verse 1. Uh, notice there, and you may underline these words as key words. I saw another sign in heaven. In verse 2, uh, he sees a sea. In verse 3, he hears a song. And in verse 8, he sees smoke. Uh, those are the four markers that you're going to see in chapter 15 that point us to different aspects of this heavenly scene as John saw it. So here's the first thing we want to see tonight is the inescapable wrath uh, of God. And so what we're seeing here, as you saw there in verse 1, uh, that we are coming uh, to this climax uh, of that period of time known as the Great Tribulation. We see the last plagues about to be poured out in chapter 16. Uh, Revelation is a book of last things. Uh, the cup of God's wrath is, is now full. His anger uh, is at the boiling point. God's clock is at midnight. His patience has ended. Now the Bible says God is, is patient. He is long-suffering. He doesn't wish uh, for any to perish. But there is a line to his patience. We talked about that last week. And so what we see here in these verses right before this judgment is that the dark clouds of God's judgment uh, and his wrath are about to rain judgment down on this earth. And so that's what we uh, want to see here. And so he sees a sign in heaven, great and amazing. There are seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, uh, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And so I want you to see uh, it's a coming judgment. It's a coming judgment. Look on down to verse 5 and verse 6, uh, and you'll begin to see that. Uh, verse 5 says, After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary. That's where we just want to stop for just a moment to see it's a coming judgment. So just like thousands of years ago on earth, there was a earthly tabernacle. So also as John is looking at this heavenly vision, uh, there's an eternal heavenly tabernacle. In fact, we're told that the earthly tabernacle was modeled after the heavenly tabernacle. The tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament, all of that centered around one thing that was found in both of those. Do you remember what it was called? The Holy of Holies. Everything in the tabernacle, everything in the temple that when it later became that established building, all of it was centered around the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was that sacred place where only the high priest could enter and he could only go in there once per year. That was on the Day of Atonement. 
but further we're told that it is in the sanctuary of the tent or the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in the Holy of Holies. That's, the, that's where the Ark of the Covenant uh, was kept. Now that word witness uh, means, uh, as you see there, uh, that word witness in verse 5 means uh, testimony uh, or covenant. This covenant was the symbol of God's faithfulness uh, to his word. It was God's uh, eternal way of saying, I will always keep my promises to my people. And so it's a tent of witness uh, that God is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. But yet at the same time, his judgment is there. In fact, uh, what we see in Psalm 105 and verse 8 is this. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. And so what we see is that God made a covenant with, with the nation of Israel, but he's also made promises to us as believers. Uh, and, and so he has made a promise to this world uh, concerning this world, for this world, and it's a promise of judgment. Here's the promise, one of the things that he said about it in Zechariah, Zephaniah uh, in chapter 3 and verse 8 it says therefore wait for me declares the Lord for the day when I rise up to seize the prey for my decision is to gather nations to assemble kingdoms to pour out upon them my indignation so if you remember last week in in chapter 14 we saw that gathering of the nations for the great battle of Armageddon and so now he says, I'm bringing all those nations together, not so that just they can attack Jerusalem, but here's the ultimate reason, so that I can pour out on them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. And, and so what we notice here is that the world is headed for two things. It's headed for Jesus and it's headed for judgment. Those two things are for sure. Now, this judgment can be delayed, but it cannot be denied. It is a coming judgment. It is coming, and it's coming sooner than we think. It's also a complete judgment. It's a complete judgment. And so notice as you come to verse 6 again, in the second part of verse 6, it tells us, And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the how many plagues? Seven. So how many angels? Seven. So twice there we're given the word seven. Seven is a number of what? What does seven mean? Completion, completeness. You'll find that on your numbers charts if you want uh, one of those or over here to the side. If you need one of those at home, uh, email us, make a comment there in Facebook. We'll be sure to send you one out. Uh, but it means completeness. And in the Bible, it symbolizes absolute perfection. And so this tells us that God's final judgment, these last seven angels are about to bring out with these seven plagues, is going to be a perfect and a complete judgment. When God judges this world, there's not going to be any loopholes. There's not going to be any plea bargaining. There's not going to be any hung juries. There's not going to be any bribe judges. There's not going to be any miscarriages of justice. Uh, only the innocent will be declared innocent and only the guilty will be declared guilty. And the only way to be declared innocent is through the blood of Jesus Christ. God's verdict is going to be rendered swiftly it's going to be rendered surely and sternly. There's not going to be any appeal. Uh, no, dis 
decision is going to be overturned by a higher court because when God's gavel comes down, that's it. It's said, it's sealed, it's done. His verdict has been reached. The sentence has been passed. The case will be closed. It is a complete judgment. Seven angels, seven plagues. We've seen that number seven already in all the judgments that have been brought out before. The seven trumpets, the seven seals. Each one of these judgments has shown, shown completeness. Now we see uh, seven angels here with these seven uh, bowls, these seven plagues that are about to be poured out. Verse 6 continues on, though, and tells us not only is it a coming judgment, not only is it a complete judgment, but it is a controlled judgment. Notice what the verse goes on to tell us here. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. And so they've got golden sashes around their chests. These seven angels are God's messengers of judgment who are going to execute his vengeance fairly and faithfully. They're clothed in pure bright linen, which symbolizes their purity. Give, they have these golden sashes around their chest. That signifies their sovereignty. They have the sovereignty, the authority uh, of God himself as they come to do this. In the Bible, the, word, the, the, the color gold uh, is a color of royalty, it's a color of authority, it's a color of sovereignty. And this simply tells us that God has the right to judge and he will judge righteously. He will judge indiscriminately. He will judge intelligently, uh, infallibly, and instantly. Uh, think about this. He's the judge of all the earth, and, and won't the judge of all the earth do what's right? His judgment uh, is going uh, to be uh, controlled uh, by him. He, it is his authority. It is his power. Then we come to the second uh, point that we want to see in these verses, the indestructible word of God. So verse 2 begins and says, I saw what happened, or what appeared, to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. He says, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of gold in their hands. Now, once before, we've seen this sea of glass already in the book of Revelation. If you go back to Revelation and chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The sea of glass symbolizes the word of God. Uh, now remember here, what are we seeing in, in heaven? We're seeing a temple. We're seeing uh, the, 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 the tabernacle of testimony. Uh, and so uh, what we're dealing here with is temple truth because this is a temple scene. In the Old Testament, in front of the temple, there was this thing called the brass laver. laver. Uh, this laver would be filled with water. And the priests who would minister in the temple, uh, they would first come to this brass laver and they would wash themselves. They would wash their hands. They would wash their arms. They would wash themselves to, to, to make themselves clean before they administered the sacrifices and ministered before the Lord. In the Old Testament, this brass laver was called a sea. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 7 
and verse 23. And it says, Then he made the sea of cast metal. It was round, 10 cubits from brim to brim, 5 cubits high, and a line of 30 cubits measured its circumference. The sea, the bronze laver, was symbolic of the word of God. Now the fact that this sea of glass is in heaven... Uh, and the saints are standing on this sea, and the Bible tells us in that verse that, they're, that they are standing there mingled with fire, reminds us of the great power of the Word of God. And I want you to see some of those things about the great power of the Word of God. First, you see the saving power of the Word of God. The reason these saints stand on, on God's Word in heaven is because they're saved through God's Word uh, on this earth. Uh, we're saved by grace through faith, but Romans 10 verse 17 tells, tells us faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Uh, and so Jesus said to Nicodemus that before a person can enter into heaven, they must be born again. But how are we born again? Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, how we're born again. Not a perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of, of, of God. Uh, and that's what you see in 1 Peter 1, 23 there. Uh, Paul goes on to say that the gospel of Christ is the power of God uh, unto salvation. Uh, but Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 25, but the word of the Lord remains forever, and this word is the good news, the gospel that was preached to you. So there's not only wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus, there's also wonder-working power in the word of God, uh, in the book of God. And so the, there is the saving power of the Word of God. Then you also see the sanctifying power of the Word of God. So remember this laver uh, that they, these priests would wash in uh, outside the temple. They would wash and be clean. They had to be clean before they could perform those priestly duties. Before we can serve God, we have to be clean. We have to be sanctified. And understand this, there's nothing you can do and there's nothing I can do to clean myself up. That only comes by what Jesus did for me on the cross. I received the free gift of salvation. He does the cleansing. Uh, in fact, that's what we uh, so often quote in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Cleanse us of all of our sin. Uh, and, and to wash away all those uh, iniquities, to cleanse away uh, our unrighteousness there. And so remember uh, what this labor was here. So before we can serve God, we have to be clean. We have to be sanctified. And we're sanctified how ourselves? By the word of God. Jesus said this in John chapter 17, verse 17. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is. Is truth. Now that passage in John 17, 17 is a prayer that Jesus is praying to the Father. And he's asking the Father to sanctify them, to set them apart in the truth. The, the, your word is truth. So God's word is what he uses on us day by day to wash away sin. Paul speaks of being cleansed in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. Uh, that says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her. By how? By the washing of water with the word, with the word of God. And so we see there uh, the, the sanctifying power of the word of God. But there is also the securing power of the word of God. These saints no longer wash in this sea. Notice where they are. They're standing on the sea. 
uh, as you see there in verse 2. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who conquered the beast and its image, and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass, on the sea of glass, with harps of gold uh, in their hands. And so we see the securing power of the word of God. The reason why they're standing beside and on this sea is because they're already clean. This sea is mingled with fire. Uh, this fire is a picture of the trials uh, that these tribulation martyrs had to endure. And, and they came through the fire uh, victorious. Uh, they, that's what verse 2 is showing us there. Uh, this mingled fire here. They conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name. Uh, so I want to tell you there are times when the daylight of triumph will become the darkness of tragedy. There are going to be times in our life when the only thing you have left is to lean on the precious promises of the Word of God. But you'll find in, in that time that you're struggling the most that the Word of God, like the grace of God, is sufficient to lead you through those difficult times. Uh, the Bible tells us that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's there to direct you, to guide you, even in the most darkest times that you're going through. And, and so uh, he said there in Revelation uh, chapter 15 uh, in verse 2, uh, I'm not sure if I maybe skipped a little bit. I did. Uh, with the securing power uh, of God here. I'll come back to that verse in Revelation 15 too uh, in just a moment. So this is the third point that we want to see is the incomparable worship of God. The incomparable worship of God. We find this in verse 3 through verse 4. So verse 2 uh, said, uh, don't skip too far. There we go. He said, and I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image, and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps uh, of God in their hands. And then verse 3 says, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So one of the images you see here is the saints standing, but they're also singing. Uh, they sing two songs. We see that they sing the song of Moses and they sing the song of the Lamb. Now, why did they specifically sing these two songs? Well, the song of Moses is the song uh, that was sung at the Red Sea. Uh, the song of the Lamb is sung at the Crystal Sea. The song of Moses told how God had brought his people out uh, of Egypt, out of the bondage, uh, the song of the Lamb tells how God brings his people in, how he brings them into heaven. Uh, the song of Moses is the first song in the Bible. The song of the Lamb is the last song uh, in the Bible. The song of Moses was sung by redeemed people on earth. The song of the Lamb is going to be sung by a rescued people in heaven. So in Moses, we see the might of God. In the Lamb, we see the mercy of God. 
In Moses, we see the justice of God. In the Lamb, we see the justification of God. In Moses, in the law, you see there, we see the, the power of God. In the Lamb, we see the mercy of God. Moses is the shadow, but the Lamb is the substance. So the song of Moses is the song of redemption. And after those Israelites were led across the Red Sea and the army of Egypt was destroyed in the sea, they immediately sang this song unto the Lord known as the song of Moses. Now Moses in the Old Testament is a picture or what we might call a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist. Egypt is a type uh, or a picture, if you will, of the world. Israel is a picture of the people of God. So just as Moses led his people out of Egypt over to Cana, Jesus is going to lead all of his saints out of the bondage here on earth into heaven, into the freedom there. Because understand this, uh, as believers right now, you are freed from the power of sin over your life. If you have trusted in Jesus, he has freed you from that power. Uh, he has, he has uh, freed you uh, from, from its power and its authority over your life. The one thing that you've not been freed from yet is the presence of sin. As long as we're on this earth, there's always going to be sin. But when you get to heaven, there's not going to be any more sin. There's not going to be any more sorrow, no more dying, no more suffering, no more pain, none of that. Sin is gone. Sin is no longer around. As long as we're here, we have the penalty of sin to deal with, and we have uh, the, the, the power of sin to deal with. Jesus has already paid the price for those two. We're waiting for him to take us into heaven where one day we'll be freed from the presence of sin, free from the bondage here on this earth. And so that's what we're seeing here. Just as Moses led the people out of Egypt and over to Cana, Jesus is going to lead all of his saints out of this earth and into heaven, freed from the presence of sin forevermore. So notice what these saints are singing there in, in verse 3. Let's go back to verse 3 there. So in verse 3, we said they sang the song of Moses, they sang the song of the Lamb, saying... Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. They were praising the works of God, and they praised the ways of God. On the one hand, it's like they're singing, How great thou art. And on the other hand, they're singing, How good thou art. Uh, on the one hand, they're praising the power of God, but they're also praising the plan of God. And then when you come to verse 4, we see how they sing uh, of the majestic virtue uh, of God. For you alone are holy. There's no one else who is perfect but you. They sing of the, of the victory of God. All nations will come and worship you. And they sing of the, of, the, of, the, of the judgment of God, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So notice in verse 3 and verse 4, the word works, the word ways, and the word worship. When a person contemplates the works of God and the ways of God, you're automatically moved to worship God. Or to put it another way, when we think about the power of God, 
shown by his works, when we think about the plan of God that's seen in his ways, when we think about the person of God shown through his name, you can't help but burst forth in praise of God. And that's what they're doing in heaven. What a glorious day that's going to be. Uh, that, that people from every tribe, people from every tongue, people from every nation are, are going to be gathered there around the throne. Those who have trusted in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And they're going to be singing these songs. We're going to be a part of that great worship service in heaven singing about the praise of God. But then notice fourthly here the incredible wonder of God in the last two verses. So in verse 7, it says, And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. Verse 8 says, And the sanctuary, we're still in that temple setting here, <clears throat> and the sanctuary was filled with smoke, from the glory of God. Now, if you remember anything about the Holy of Holies, when, when the presence of God came into the Holy of Holies, that's the picture, the image you would always see. The smoke would, would fill uh, the Holy of Holies from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. And, and so normally... God's temple was to be a place of prayer. In fact, that's what God said about the church. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But here we're told that men cannot enter into the temple because of the smoke of God's glory. This verse goes back to a prophetic verse way back in the Old Testament in a book we don't even read that often ourselves. The book of Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 43 says this, you have wrapped yourself with anger and pursued us, killing without pity. You have wrapped yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. So smoke in the Bible is the symbol of the judgment and the wrath of God. And it's a sign here that in the temple of heaven, the fire of God's wrath is burning against the sin of humanity. And there's nothing we can do. There's no more praying for people to, to, get, to get right with the Lord. Our prayers can't even enter, he says in, in Lamentations 3 verse 44. You've wrapped yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. This is it. This is the end. It's over. This is the final judgment that's coming. And even now, it's a smoldering, simmering smoke that at any moment is capable of exploding into the fiery flame of judgment. In the Old Testament, when the priests would offer the animal sacrifice for the people, fire would fall from heaven and would consume the sacrifice. The fire was a picture of what would have happened to the sinner if the sacrifice hadn't been made. And so it's a picture of what would have happened to us, what should have happened to us because of our sin. In Leviticus chapter 10, and you know, sometimes we don't even read Leviticus because there's so many ceremonial laws and things in there. But here in Leviticus, in chapter 10, the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, they offered unto God a sacrifice that was unacceptable. And you'll read in that passage uh, in, in Leviticus chapter 10 that fire came from heaven just like it was supposed to to consume the sacrifice. Fire came from heaven, but the fire didn't fall on the sacrifice. The fire came from heaven and immediately it consumed them. The fire didn't fall on the sacrifice. 
it fell on the sinner. That's where the fire deserves to be. It deserves to be on us. The judgment deserves to be on us. And the Bible clearly teaches that the fire of God's judgment is going to fall. The only question is where is it going to fall? Will it fall on the sacrifice or will it fall on the sinner? There's a story several years ago of some men who were out in a prairie. They were camping out and the prairie fire came up and the wind was whipping the flames furiously toward these men and they realized that they couldn't possibly outrun these flames. And so the flames, they were moving closer and closer and they didn't know what to do. And one of the men said to another, we're going to die. There's nothing we can do. But one of the other men said, no, just wait a minute. He said, I have a plan. And so he reached into his pocket and he, he pulled out a package of matches and he, he struck a match and he lighted a fire at their very feet. And that fire burned one way while the prairie fire was coming another way. And one of the men in the group said, you fool, now we're surrounded by fire. He said, now we're surely going to die. And the man said, no, just wait a minute. He said, I know what I'm doing. He said, when, it, when the fire got just a little piece from him, he said, take a step over here into this burned off place. He said, now we're all saved because the fire can't come where the fire has already been. 2,000 years ago, the fire of God's judgment fell on Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. And that fire burned a large circle, large enough for every person who has ever lived to enter into it. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's just waiting for you to enter the circle. You see, you have one of two choices. It's either Jesus or judgment. And the choice is up to us. I pray that if, if you're listening or you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you would get in God's circle of salvation this very moment so that not only will you have a glimpse into glory, but also so you will live in glory forever and ever. There's a lot of us who are here tonight and those who are watching tonight who you may already know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. What do we need to do? We need to get as many people in the circle as we possibly can before it's too late, before the final judgment comes. That's what chapter 15 and those short eight verses are all about. Right before the judgment, God says, one last time, one last time, one more opportunity. Will you take it? The invitation's going to stop. The singing's going to end. One last verse. And then the last word is sung in the last verse of the invitation. And the curtain comes down. And no prayer can get through to the presence of God when the judgment of God comes. So you have a choice. You can either die in eternity forever separated from God and receive the judgment upon yourself or you can receive Jesus who has already taken the suffering and the pain and the judgment that you deserved on himself on the cross. The choice is ours. What a powerful message for us in chapter 15. Before the judgment of God, we see the mercy of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, we wonder sometimes what would heaven look like. 
Lord, what a picture and an image that we've seen of your mercy and of your grace. That there in heaven, Lord, as the curtain has been pulled back, we have seen the rejoicing. Uh, we have seen uh, those who are uh, in heaven uh, who, are, who are praising your name. Uh, who are glorifying you and your presence there around the throne, singing your praises of your works and your ways, and they are worshiping you. Lord, I pray that we would even begin now doing that very same thing. Lord, that as we do that, people around us will sense and feel and see the power of God working in and through us. And Father, I pray that you would use us as a witness to this lost and dying world before it's too late. Because we know, God, one of two things is happening. Either death is going to come knocking at our door or the trumpet is going to sound. And that's it. Lord, none of us know when that last day is that we're going to draw our last dying breath. And none of us, Lord, know when that day is that the trumpet's going to sound. And so, Lord, whatever time we have left, uh, Lord, whatever uh, days or years or, or however long it may be, Lord, I pray that we would make the most of every opportunity we have to be a faithful witness of your power and your glory and your majesty and your saving uh, salvation that sets us apart sanctifies us for your kingdom work. Lord, I pray that there would be those who maybe are watching online or maybe even present who've not trusted in Christ. Uh, Lord, I don't pretend to know anybody's heart, but you do. And so Lord, I pray that as, as they have heard this message tonight, Lord, I pray that they would see that the judgment's already been paid for them. They don't have to suffer this judgment we've just begun to glimpse that is coming in the next chapter. Father, if we trust in Jesus who has received the judgment upon him, we can be free from the power of sin, from, from the penalty of sin, and one day free from the presence of sin. So help us, Lord, to live in that trust each and every day. And may you show yourself faithful in our hearts and in our lives. Bless us, Lord, as we go forth to be kingdom witnesses in who, wherever we go to our workplaces, in our families, to our friends, uh, wherever it may be. And may you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us uh, tonight, especially those who have joined us uh, there online. Uh, I've looked and I don't see any prayer requests there. I see some people who are watching, but I don't see any prayer requests. But uh, if you find out that there's something we missed in the prayer request, be sure to call the church office tomorrow uh, and let us know that. We'll be glad to get that on the prayer list. We'll see you this coming Sunday. We join back for uh, Sunday school at 915, worship at 1030. You come and join us in person if you can. If not, we'll see you there online and you have a blessed week.